Good evening, church. Another Wednesday night. We're glad to see you. We're glad that you're tuning in. Uh, tonight, uh, I wanted us to look at prayer. We're going to begin in Matthew uh, chapter 6. In the first part of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is instructing, uh, really, how to do things as a Christian. Uh, how to be his follower and there's certain practices. He starts off in the first part of Ma Matthew 6 with charitable deeds, which means like giving alms to the poor, helping people be fed, uh, you know, things of that nature that are supposed to be a normal part of our life. And we think a lot about that at Christmas season, but really that should be uh, something we think about all the year long. And then he starts on uh, prayer. He says this in Matthew 6, 5, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets. They may be seen. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. In the Greek, it means their only reward. But you, when you pray, go to your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have needed before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray. And then He gives us what we call the model prayer. You know, our Father who art in heaven. And he goes like this. But what I also wanted to do is, as we start this, is to look at Luke 11, 1. It said this about Jesus. Now, it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of, his disciples, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus had a lot of teachings in our New Testament about prayer and gave a lot of examples. He was, his life was centered on prayer, okay? It, it's how he accomplished the work that... God had given him to do to be the savior of the world. And so I wanted to look at, at, at prayer and remind us of some things. I've entitled this Eight Qualifications for Prayer. And don't let that scare you. But prayer basically is the relationship uh, where we uh, put ourselves upon God's resources. Prayer is a relationship where we put ourselves upon God's resources. In other words, I know there's things that, that, that there's no way I can accomplish, there's no way that I can do, but God working through me, through the prayers that I pray for others or about things, can accomplish it because we know from our New Testament that with God, nothing is impossible. So what are the eight qualifications for prayer? Let's just start them, and we'll have a lot of different scriptures, so I hope that you are taking notes. The first one is this. Prayer should be humble. Prayer should be humble. I think that should go uh, without saying, but let's just look at a few scriptures. In Psalm chapter 10, verse 17, the psalmist says, Lord, you've heard the desire of the humble. You will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear. Some of that humility that is attractive to God. Luke chapter 18, beginning with verse 13 says, uh, now this is the, uh, Jesus told 
the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Pharisee went down and raised his arms up and looked to heaven and said, God, I thank you I'm not as other men. I tithe of my everything and what the good works he did. That's what he said. He said, I'm not like this tax collector. And then he, Jesus talks about the tax collector. And remember now, the tax collector to the Jewish people were the lowest of the low. They betrayed their country. They worked for the Romans. They, they were just the lowest of the dregs of society to the Jewish people. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, the Pharisee, whom everybody looked up to. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And James talks about it in his little uh, book. In the book of James, chapter 4, verse 6, he reminds us that humility is required for the Christian life. He says, but it gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but it gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, basically, he's saying that prayer should be humble. Don't, uh, how do I want to say it? Don't be proud, you know, that, you know, God's lucky to have me, or, or don't go in, hey, big guy, how you doing today, you know, or, or you know, I, I talked to the old man upstairs today, things of that nature, and, and while our prayer should be intimate with God, and while God loves to hear from his kids, God is God, and we are not, and prayer needs to start off with a humble attitude, with a heart of contrition, knowing we are sinners. The second qualification is this. As you said, it should be humble, but it should also be bold. Now, I'm not uh, trying to confuse anybody. Uh, 1 John 5, 13-15 tells us this. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. And then he goes on this. Because of that relationship, because we've believed on Jesus. See, we can be bold in Jesus because he says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we've asked of him. Our boldness is based upon our relationship to our heavenly father because Jesus has saved us. We have that relationship and we're one of his kids now. And therefore, we know that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And because he hears us, we know we have the things that we've asked of him. The book of Hebrews talks about that just a little bit. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says these things. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Why can we do that? Well, in verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 4, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. And because of that, he tells us, let us draw 
boldly to the throne of grace that we obtain mercy and grace to help in time of need. Uh, I could go on. Uh, the other scripture I probably wanted to read to you is uh, in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 8, you know this. Verse 32, Paul says, He, speaking of God, who did not spare his own son, Jesus, but delivered him up for us all. In other words, he let him go to the cross. How should he not with him also freely give us all things? In other words, we come to God, we're humble, we're praying according to his will. We know we have the petitions he's asked. And he said he's not going to withhold anything we really need. We should come boldly. All right, so we're humbly, boldly, and then prayer should be in faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Our Heavenly Father wants to commune with us. He wants that relationship. He wants to talk to us. He, he, he rewards those who seek him. Do we understand that? Uh, then Matthew chapter 7, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 11, Jesus tells a parable uh, <clears throat> about this. He says in verse 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks receives and who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. He goes on and talks about God knows how to give us what we need. He gives us the Holy Spirit. But do we understand that it should be in faith? We should be asking God what we need, believing he's going to hear us and answer us. Now, <clears throat> when I say that, sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes the answer is wait a bit. I get too many people say, God just doesn't hear my prayers. God just doesn't love me. Like, I want you to pray for me. He doesn't love me. Like, yes, he does. You just didn't get the answer you wanted. Like, I sometimes don't get the answer I want. Sometimes the answer is no. God, in his wisdom, in his power, knows that be detrimental to us, that we don't really know what we're asking for. And so he says, no. Do we understand that? A lot of times we make mistakes when we try to overrule God on that. We get what we want, but then we find out, ooh, I shouldn't ask for that. I didn't want that because of the consequences. So prayer is humbly, boldly, in faith, and then prayer should be sincere. Psalm 145, verse 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call upon him in truth. I'm going to put it this way. Don't come trying to con God. Don't try to hoodwink him however you want to say it. Be truthful. Be sincere. He knows our hearts. He knows our minds. And when we come to God in prayer, sometimes we're selfish and we want what we want. And we try to get around it, you know, talk about it this way, be good for this or be good for that. But it's really just something we can't get around. We're trying to treat God like a genie in a lamp. We're trying to get him to do something that might be against his character or against his will. And, and we need to come in sincerity. Uh, again, the book of James, chapter 5, verse 16, says it this way. Confess your trespasses, your sins to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. In other words, when we're praying for the right things, when we're really coming to God in sincerity and in faith and boldly and humbly, he's going to answer those kind of prayers. Isaiah, 
uh, had it to say this way in, in Isaiah 55, verse 6. He says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he, while he is near. Listen, when we really get honest with God, and that's what God wants, no pretense, no mask. We all tend to wear masks uh, out in public. Now, we don't take those masks off a lot of times until we get home, but, but see, we should be the same here as we are there. The same at work, the same as we are at church. No mask. And especially in our prayer time, don't try to hide from God. He knows our hearts. He knows if we have some kind of little secret sin we're dallying with. He knows if our heart is genuine when we pray for somebody else to be blessed and we got a little bit of jealousy there because we already think they have enough blessings. Or, or he knows do we really believe him, that he will answer our prayers, not, not the preacher's prayers, not some prayer warrior's prayers, not some person we think is super holy, but will he answer us? That's faith. See, I throw myself upon the resources of God. It's that relationship. And I have a right to do that because I have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ, the Son. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. We're co-heirs. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We should pray for one another. So we should pray humbly. We should pray boldly. We should pray in faith. We should pray sincerely. Okay? And then this should relieve a lot of folks who say they don't know how to pray. Prayer should be simple. Simple? Yes, simple. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, remember Jesus said, and I read it earlier, it says, When you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Well, I wouldn't do that, you know. What they thought in Jesus' day, especially those who didn't really know the one true God of Israel, they, they had certain catchwords where they could get favor with their God. If they just keep praying and they do that rote memory, and there's nothing wrong with a written prayer or, or praying like we know how to pray, but, but what, they were trying to manipulate their God to do what they wanted. And there's no manipulating the true God. Do we understand that? That we're to pray simply and honestly to our God? Do we understand that, that uh, how do I want to say it? Uh, your prayers don't have to sound like a King James Bible. They can. I think those are beautiful. Uh, they don't have to sound like... Uh, how, how do I want to say it? They, they don't have to sound uh, very intellectual. They can be, and that's wonderful too. But just a simple, honest prayer with our Father, like a conversation that you'd have with me or you'd have with somebody that was very close to you, God just wants a simple prayer that acknowledges Him for who He is. He wants a simple prayer that asks Him for what we really need. Uh, our motives aren't disguised. You know, we, we should be sincere. We should be in faith. It should be bold. It should be humble. But it should just be simple. Uh, my biggest uh, probably shortcoming is when I say prayers for food, I get it over with quickly. Okay. I tell people all the time, don't catch up on your prayer time while my food's getting cold. I like to eat, by the way. But I shouldn't tell people that. They should pray as they are grateful for what's been given. All right? But when you're called on to pray in public, it's no different than praying in private, except that you're not just praying for yourself. You're praying for the group. Does that make sense? It's a corporate prayer. That's the difference. 
And the most beautiful prayers that are prayed in our church, listen to some of the children that come forward to take the offering or something else, and they're called upon to pray, and it's very direct, it's very truthful and honest, it's, it's in faith, and, and it's very simple to our minds, but it touches the heart of God. It touches my heart. Does it touch yours? Don't worry about praying out loud. Just simply pray to the Father that you've met in your prayer closet. And we need to meet God, like he said, shut the door. And the God, our Father, who sees us praying in private, will reward us openly, publicly. That was different than the Pharisees who chose the busiest street corners, dressed in long robes, made these great prayers. Everybody said, oh, that guy can really pray. And that was his motive, to be noticed. And the Bible says he received the only reward he's going to get. But we receive what the Father has for us as we spent time to him privately. And when you pray in public, that's just an extension of that. It just, again, says so just praying for your needs, you're praying for the needs of the group, what you'd like to see God do for the group. And so remember that, just a simple prayer. Uh, the best example I had of that, uh, my first baptism as a pastor was uh, to a young man. He was about 25 or 26 a bit younger than me at the time, and his name was Eric. And we gathered, the church had not had a revival in years. Matter of fact, before the revival, we had work day and I made them clean out the baptistry and they didn't know why because they had all the church records stored there is how long it had been for several years since they'd baptized anybody. But here was the point. As we're praying for revival, Eric didn't know what to pray and I didn't think he was going to pray because he said he was really nervous. But moved by the Spirit of God, he just began to pray. And his prayer went something like this. God, would you just touch our hearts? Would you just take your finger and stir us up? Would you just move among us so that people will get right with you, get right with each other, and be saved? And I felt this hot feeling come over me, and I had to look. And there were tears running down Eric's face and dripping on the hardwood floor there. And I thought, we are going to have a revival. And we had 15 saved that week. And I think it was a direct result of just a simple two or three sentence prayer that was from the heart. So don't ever be afraid to pray. So prayer should be humbly given. It should be boldly given. It should be in faith. It should be sincerely given. And it should be simply giving. We're not trying to impress God. We're not trying to impress others. We're talking to the Father. The funniest thing I had happen, somebody was praying at church, and again, it was one of those prayer meetings, and it was a, it's a, several of my deacons, and one of my older deacons couldn't hear, and he said, John, I can't hear you! And John, without missing a beat, just said, that's okay, Harold, I wasn't talking to you. And that's a true story. And I just, it pretty well ended the prayer meeting, but it, it was just perfect, because it was a simple prayer, I want you to talk up so I can hear you, I agreed with, with him, but we're not really talking to anybody but God. Okay, so we've looked at this, and then the sixth one is this. Prayer should be persistent or given persistently. In Luke chapter 18, verse 7, it says, and, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out to him day and night? though he bears with them long. That's a strange little verse, but what it's saying is there, God is going to answer prayers. 
But sometimes we have to be persistent and serious with God in our prayers. I also listed uh, uh, Luke 11 in, in this, okay? And in Luke 11, uh, we read that verse earlier. It said, it came to pass, he's praying in a certain place. He ceased, and one of the disciples said, him, teach us to pray. Okay, and he did. He gave us uh, Luke's version of the model prayer. But down in verse 5, he gets us the key of persistent prayer. He gives a parable. He said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and have nothing to set before him. There wasn't a Walmart all night. I don't think there's one now either with COVID going on, but there wasn't stores all night where you just go and grab something real quick for company that was unexpected that came in. And in that day, not to have a traveler come and, and you offered him protection and food and water was, was a big social disgrace. And so he goes to his friend and bangs on the door and says, hey, give me three loaves. You got three loaves left over. I need to feed this guy. And then he says, and he, the friend, will answer for him within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are in bed with me. I cannot rise and give you. In other words, in that day, the houses normally had two different levels just to step up. And when you shut the door, you'd pull the door in. They usually weren't on hinges. And you would lock it with a big wooden bar, or if you had iron, it'd be an iron bar. And then you would tiptoe through the bottom half where all the chickens, goats, and animals that you wanted protected were in there that sort of f helped feed your family. And then you'd crawl around the kids and lay down by mama, and everybody go to sleep. And this guy's banging at midnight. Everybody's been in bed. Okay? He said, I'm not getting up and waking all my kids up. Go away. And then he says this, I tell you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. And I say to you, ask and be given to you, seek and you will find. <clears throat> Knock and it will be open. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. And in the Greek there it means keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. It's not because God has to be changed. A lot of times, we have to be changed. God aligns us with His will so He can answer a prayer. Or God wants us to build our faith. We pray and we pray and pray and suddenly there it is. God, thank you, you answered my prayer. Sometimes it's because God wants us to get serious with Him and that's going to take a little while for us to really slow down Pause, hit the pause button, or the stop button, or the off button, and just seek the Lord. And some things are problems that it takes a while for God to work in people's lives to work the problems out, to bring healing, to bring restoration. And while he's doing that, we're to keep praying so that he just keeps working and that person will respond to God through our prayer. I don't know how many times I prayed for my dad or my uncles, and slowly but surely, they would be saved, but it took years. Let's go on. So, offer it humbly, offer it boldly, offer it in faith, offer it sincerely, offer it simply, offer it persistently, and then prayer should be definite. Definite? Yeah, definite. Psalm 27.4 says this way, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will ask, 
that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. In other words, David's praying this. He says, this is the thing I want most of all. I don't want many, any misunderstanding. Lord, this is number one on my prayer list. This is what I want. It's very definite. And then in Acts 12, 5, it says, Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. In other words, the church focused on one thing. We need Peter to be re released. This is right after the first of the apostles had been killed. And, and he was arrested. They didn't want to lose Peter. And when he was finally released, they didn't believe it was him knocking on the, the door when the girl ran in and told him. She didn't even open the door. She said, Peter's at the gate. No, he can't be. What have you been praying for? See, it, it's, a, it's a definite type of prayer. How definite are we in our prayers? Um, just all kinds of things where we, we, we pray for something and it's not quite what we expected when it's answered. Well, how definite were we? You know, we, we want this done, but we don't get specific. You know, make it simple enough that it's very, it's not that God doesn't understand, but make it simple enough that it's very easy for you and for me to recognize God answered that prayer just the way we prayed it. Now sometimes he has to modify us a little bit because we're praying for the wrong thing and we're not quite thinking straight. But see, it needs to be a definite prayer. A definite prayer that would be in God's will and it should be done humbly and boldly and in faith and sincerely and simply and persistently would be, Lord, I pray for, and you fill in the blank, it's somebody that's lost that needs to know you. They need to know Jesus is Lord and Savior. And Lord, I'm willing to be used if I'm the one that you want to lead him to Jesus to. But definitely, persistently. The last thing, prayer should be in agreement with God's will. We've said that a lot. Uh, again, 1 John 5 Verse 14 and 15. Now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if or since we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. But again, that's all couched in his will. When Jesus says that two, three of you agree anything on earth will be done for you, that's according to his will. It's not, Lord, I want a million dollars next week. Well, if it's God's will, you'll get it, but that's not the type of prayer that you can definitely say. It's spending time with God. It's throwing ourselves upon His resources, upon His grace. It's spending that time wrestling, fasting, reading the Word of God, praying that lines us up with God's will. You know, a lot of times in our prayers... Mine and others in the church here, somebody, uh, we thank you for what you do for us and we thank you for what you don't do. And if you've been wondering why, because there's certain things we've asked of God and then we realize later, whoo, God, thank you for not answering that prayer. And we need to remember that. I, I remember um, getting ready to graduate high school and I, I, I needed a better ride and I was praying and praying and praying to get a, a better car and couldn't find one and on and on it went and after my first year in college God dropped the exact car I needed with good gas mileage, soda pendle, everything right in my lap. And what had happened was was that 
uh, one of my mom's old high school classmates had a uh, car dealership, a Ford dealership. And yes, Mr. Robert, I've driven Fords before. And uh, when I went down there to look at cars, he gave me almost twice what my old junker was worth. And he cut off the cost, okay? And he helped me get special financing so that I could afford it, because you know, I was working full time. And I could afford it and the insurance payment, have a little bit left over for gas and to eat out or to go on a date. And uh, after we left, you know, I thanked him and I was just amazed. I praised, praised God because I've been praying for over a year, year and a half to get a better ride. And, and there it was. And it lasted me all through uh, college until I got married and, and traded in on something else. But, but the whole point was God had arranged because he had just bought that in that year. He just bought it not, not six months before I came looking for a car. And God arranged that according to His will so that I would be blessed. And there were two or three other things that these, the deals fell through and I couldn't understand what I was doing wrong. And it wasn't that I was doing wrong, it just wasn't God's timing. Wasn't God's will at that point. So realize that sometimes no isn't the end of it. Sometimes no is wait a little bit and let me work. But it's got to be according to his will. Because if I'd have pushed through one of those other deals, which I, I was tempted to do, I'd have been stuck with a car that wasn't as good as the one I got and a lot more money and probably would have been uh, really hard-pressed to stay in school and pay my car payment. And so God has a way of doing that. So it needs to be according to his will. Uh, I've told you before, several times I... I was engaged once and thought this was the girl for me and I'd been praying, praying, Lord, let us get married. And then things sort of fell apart after we were engaged and later on I finally met Elizabeth and I can still wake up to this day and look over there in the shock and, and say, oh, thank you, God, that it's Elizabeth and not this other person. Okay, because it, it, this wasn't God's will. I was trying to bull my way in or what I wanted. So don't do that. Pray according to God's will. Well, those are the eight qualifications for prayer that I know. There's probably more you can add to it. But look over those in your Bible and those scripture references and, and read those because I know I hurried through them. And so let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for protecting watch over us. Continue to protect our church and our members. Be with those who are sick and afflicted. Be with those who have COVID around the United States and the world. And if it's your will to heal them, heal them, Lord. Bring it into this pandemic in a way that you will receive the glory, Lord. And Lord, not only that, but please, as you're doing that and gaining glory, that everybody know that you are God. Would you send a revival to our nation worldwide and a great harvest of souls for the honor and glory of Jesus? These things I pray in his name. Amen. Have a good evening, church. We'll see you next time.